In this episode, I got the opportunity to chat with Earl Stout, who lives in New Jersey. He's currently neck deep in the Philadelphia distance skate scene, which made for a great start to our conversation. We also talked about an upcoming event he's doing in September, which sounds really exciting. It's a 33-mile race, this paved trail system that runs around the city, and it ends in Philadelphia on some trails that some old races used to run on. So I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation. And as always, thank you for tuning into the podcast. I'm your host, Max Frank. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to Skating in Circles. I'm here with Earl, a.k.a. Duke Pearl, a.k.a. Social Push Philly, a.k.a. Philly Longboard Crew. (laughs) <laughs> a man of many names and many Instagram handles. Earl, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Um, I would say Philadelphia longboarding. Um, someone else is Philadelphia Philly longboard crew. Oh, I got that wrong. Okay. Sorry. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're here with Earl. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia skate scene and some other things, um, but let's get into it. So Earl, where are you right now? Obviously, I kind of just gave it away, but I am just east of uh, Trenton, New Jersey, um, capital of New Jersey, uh, in a small little town called Groville. Uh, it's a sub kind of little town ta- uh, town of Hamilton Township. It's a historic part of the Underground Railroad, um, stuff like that. Pretty historic. Very cool. I feel like not a lot of people know that New Jersey has a lot of like rich american history in it because it's like right in this epicenter of all that stuff um that's awesome so you don't live in philadelphia but you're pretty close how about how far from philly uh about a half hour drive nice nice i lived in the city for about 10 years a little over that okay when was that uh from i moved out of the city the fall of 2017 i moved into the city around 2010 or 11 something like that all right so this is a skateboarding podcast and we talk about skateboarding so i gotta know when was your first time riding a skateboard first time riding a skateboard uh around the age of 10 or 11 with my buddy sean mattis uh who i've known since elementary school we grew up uh, skating and snowboarding together and we're still really good friends to this day it was uh he was a, he's still a surfer and he like, you know, had like single kick, like Nash's and McGill's and Tony Hawk decks back in the day. And that's how, that's, that's how I got into it. So were you, you were doing other stuff too, like outdoorsy things as a kid and you just found skateboarding eventually? Uh, I remember one of my childhood memories is like from the age of like two, three to like five, I spent my summers on the coast of Maine. Nice. Um, before the age of eight, I had already traveled up and down the Eastern seaboard with my parents. Um, just grew up outdoors camping, you know, appreciating nature. That's cool. When did you find the, uh, the Philly skate scene? Like when did that happen? I, I came upon the Philly scene around 2010. Um, I had gotten into longboarding like around 2005 with my buddy, Chris Marble who Sean Mattis, we're all good friends to this day. Chris had a single kick gravity. You know, he would skate it in his driveway. Um, and then 
2006, I got diagnosed with cancer. Didn't really do much for a little bit. Um, the spring of 2009, uh, some friends of mine from high school, um, one of them being Joe Hodnicki, he was doing graphics for Boston at the time in 2009, and Boston was in Hoboken, New Jersey, and they invited me to a, a warehouse party that night. And from there, it was just like a catalyst of connecting with people and just knowing you're in the right place at the right time. And that's kind of how I bestowed myself upon to the community. Uh, I remember my first board I think I bought was at the Boston Skate Shop, and it was the, oh shit, what was it called? Something with an S? I can't remember, but uh, I love that board. What year? This was, uh, must have been either 2009 or 2010 because... What, was it a wedge drop deck? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's the one... Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's and it was kind of ovalish? Oval? No. Um, kind of like tapered? Yeah, I think so. I think it might have been the Strike. Strike, yes, yes. I was, I was going to say sh Striker, but that, yeah, that didn't sound right. Cool. All right. So you've been, uh, you've been skating for a while. Philadelphia is your, your sort of hub from where you, you learned and where you sort of got into the scene. But, um, in addition to that, and like, you know, you talked about how you are a cancer survivor and stuff. So I want to know, I asked this question to everyone. So I got to ask it to you. What motivates you? Uh, it's a question I thought about for a lot. Like, the past couple of days because I listened to Joe's podcast. What's up, Joe? <laughs> uh, everything, the good, the bad, um, the contrasts of life, um, the motivation to keep on going and like be resilient. Uh, you know, my experience and journey with cancer is something that I wouldn't go back and trade for the world. Um, it, it, it literally showed me things that I would have probably never seen. Um, and, saying that uh what what motivates me everything um spirits that are no longer with us like noel and uh brent who you know we'll probably get into talking about um i i really feel no spirit um strongly a lot with like being at big events and just joe could probably say the same thing you know mm -hmm. um i'm open to talk about it not to say that no one else is um I like to be transparent with it because it's it's a strong thing that someone's energy can carry on still to this day. Right. Yeah. And I guess for those who may not know, right, Noel Corman was the he created the Shroupers Union, right, which is this organization of skateboarders. We talked about it a little bit in the last episode. People from all over the U.S., people from all over the, the world, uh, chapters, uh, groups of people who skate and have like-minded um, sort of views about how to approach life and how to approach each other, how to be kind and all that. High fives and positive vibes is the main mantra there. Uh, but you have a really good story about Noel and Ladiga. And uh, I would like you to tell that if you could, because I've heard this story from other people, but I don't know if I've ever heard it from someone who's been there. So you were actually there, right, when this happened? So... Um... Yeah, 2012 is the only year I've done Ladiga thus far. Um, I flew down. I drove back with Noel and Luke, and we followed the whole Boston crew, which uh, 
you know, the one person that is still very heavily involved to this day is Jeff Vian from Pantheon. Hell yeah. He was, he was there as well. Um, so we leave Ladiga. Um, that third day it rained. You know, we're all soaking wet. We were hungry. Uh, we wanted to just like shake off, you know, the, the bolts from skating 94 miles. So shop Sasha Popper uh, was like, all right, we're going to stop in South Carolina and we're going to, we're going to go to like this backwoods area to get like a photo shop, like a photo op. And it was like this brick, probably like two or th I'd say three, maybe four stories. It was like the front wall and there were some sides. It was kind of dilapidated and it was like probably like a field, not really a field, kind of a meadow-ish, maybe back like 300, 400 yards. And there was another building. And so we're sitting there taking a picture with everyone in the front of this like brick facade. And uh, Joao um, Morales, mm -hmm. uh, he he was like up on the, perched up on this ledge and he's like, he jumps off the ledge like 15 feet down, 12 feet down. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And he's running. He's like, the guy's got a gun. The guy's got a gun. And he had, I, th I, don't, I think it was a nine millimeter or four. I couldn't really tell. I wasn't really nervous uh, just because I try to keep myself super composed in stressful situations to like focus how to just get out of it. Sure. Yeah. So everyone kind of gathers. The guy cocks the fucking gun back and like Noel's like, whoa, whoa. He kind of, Noel like kind of like stepped in front of the guy to protect us all. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? We're like, we're just taking a picture. Noel just diffuses the situation. And like, I think he ended up, they ended up shaking hands. Like, cause we were on, we were trespassing on private property. But then we're like, was that a fucking meth lab? Oh, because the guy was kind of sketchy. Gotcha. It was a very crazy <laughs> situation. Um, oh, I will never forget that day. So you this I didn't realize it was after the race. For some reason, I thought yeah. this was like during the race or something. But this is post the Diga. Race post is race. done. You're going out for a photo shoot somewhere and uh, you just stumbled wrong, upon the wrong uh, dilapidated building. Yeah. Very if anybody funny. knows Sasha, Sasha's crazy. So no surprise that we're in a crazy situation. Well, what's cool about that story is you have a lot of those uh, sort of OG names that you, you see come out to these events. Uh, Sasha's definitely one of them. Uh, Joao was another one I heard there. Yep. And uh, obviously Jeff Vian still going strong um, and various others. So that's awesome. Really cool. Really cool story. Glad you made it out alive and... It's a great Thanks. story about Noel too, because it shows like the kind of person he was. Cause like, yeah, he's like this high fives, positive vibes guy, but um, he could definitely have a conversation with uh, someone who owns a meth lab and diffuse the situation. I think like he is that type of guy who has, has that yeah. ability. So. And he can handle himself too. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, so he was always great to be around. Love, love being around Noel. Rest in peace. Yeah, Shroud on, you know, we try to keep that spirit alive. Uh, and one of the ways, right, we do that is through our distance skate communities. So we talked about Philly, how you got into the Philly scene, uh, but let's go a little more into that. So you started, you said 
2011 was when you got to Philly, right? So around the uh, early spring 2010, I came upon a Philadelphia longboarding Facebook page, gotcha. which is still going to this day. It's not super active, but it is a hub in the community for, you know, some focal points for things. Um, I was handed over that page like six, seven years ago from the founder of Philadelphia Longboarding and the founder of the Broad Street Bomb, Matt Michelli. Um, I came across the came across the Facebook page, and he was going to Drexel at the time. Uh, around the same time, your brother was at Drexel. The Dragons. Um, you know, Matt was skating Philly like garages, the streets, um, and then he like. I helped them with the Broad Street for years, and that's just kind of how, you know, things started in Philly from there. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned Drexel. My brother went to Drexel, and that's how I sort of have a relationship with Philly. I used to visit him, and we would skate a bunch. And one of the trails we skated a ton of was the Schuylkill Schuylkill Trail. I don't you pronounce Schuylkill River Trail. Schuylkill River Trail. And you had a, a event on this trail. But before we get into that, I loved this trail. We had so much fun. We would go out and, you know, you think Philadelphia, it's kind of this gritty city, right? Maybe a little dangerous at night, but we would go out at like, you know, past dark, well past dark, 10 p.m., right? Just skating that trail and it was safe. We, f- we felt safe. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't safe, but we had, uh, we had a great time and I just, that's my relationship with the city is like, you can skate at night and it's relatively safe great trails uh i remember bike paths being a thing and like so super friendly city and uh the trail we just mentioned you you had an event on that trail do you want to talk about that now yeah um so actually the kick for cancer event was on the west side of the schuylkill river Mm -hmm. the srt is actually on the east side of the river so there's like the the west side is uh martin luther king drive and there is now a paved trail that they've like improved. It's not as wide or as good quality as the SRT, but it is doable. Um, there was another event, the Shoe Kill, from like 2011 to 13. That's the one I'm 2010. Um, and they did it down MLK from the Art Museum up to East Falls and then down the SRT. Um, Finishing on the SRT near Logan uh, Lloyd Hall on the weekend is dangerous because there's a lot of foot traffic. <laughs> yeah. So when I did kick for cancer, when the shoe kill stopped, uh, I did kick for cancer 2014 to 16 for three years. And doing that kind of was like in partnership with a foundation I co-founded, um, which is now actually a, an, an event. Um, not an uh, organization anymore. Kick for cancer. He went down Martin Luther King Drive to East Falls and turned around and finished kind of where you started to make it safer and a wider, you know, trail because it was pretty much four lanes of car traffic closed to traffic. That's cool. Uh, fun fact about that. I There's a video I made about Kick for Cancer. I think it was 2015. And I, I remember that race and exactly what you said. The shoe kill was a pain at the finish because there's so many people you're like, you're sprinting. It's the end of the race. So you're like trying to get around skaters to pass them, but you're also getting around like strollers and (laughs) pedestrians. It's just a, a, a mad dash and, uh, the trail's not super wide, 
it's wide, but it's not like wide enough for that kind of shit. So yeah, on the weekend you got tons of people on it. And then MLK Drive is is literally a street that they close on Sundays, correct? Four lanes. Right. So so uh, that event I actually loved. Uh, it was super cool to see like um, you know what happens on the weekends in Philly, but also like how how we were able to skate that day was really fun. Just being being kind of like uninhibited by anything. I remember seeing a lot of other people on that trail, but they weren't even in our way to the, in the slightest, right? If anything, they yeah. helped with draft and stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kick for Cancer, awesome event. You did it for three years, right? Yes. 14, 15, 16, if you don't mind going into why Why did it stop? So 2017, um, July of 2017, I was going into Colorado for a long weekend. Um, Brent, who I'd started doing volunteer work at Jefferson Hospital in 2010, got matched up with him in the buddy program, similar ages, diagnosis, uh, interest with snowboarding. Um, he had this idea for Car for Cancer. I helped him co-found that grassroots event into a nonprofit. That is now the nonprofit status is Live Like Brent. Car for Cancer is just the winter festival headlining event. Um, Brent had two stem cell transplants for non-Hodgkins, uh, Allogenic, which is a donor's. He beat non-Hodgkins twice from it, but was having complications. And he was in the hospital the weekend I went out to Colorado. And uh, the, the next day... After I flew out, you know, I got a phone call from my buddy Cameron, uh, who is a friend that lives in my area. He's in production and arts events and stuff. And uh, he broke the bad news that Brent had passed away um, from complications of just long term, so like side effects of stuff. Um, he, you know, it was it was kind of sudden, but he was like it was up and down for like. A month something like that and you know he, he he battled as hard as he could um so that was like the middle of july 2017 and then um in august uh my little brother passed away unexpectedly so it was just like i was like really starting to think about doing kick for cancer again and like around when Brent was passed, like having these complications and like was talking to some people about it and like people were asking and I was just, I had also went through a breakup before that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was like triple, triple, like, you know, whammy, um, you know, just, you got to take care of yourself first before everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then literally after like liter that, so when I found out my brother passed away, my other girlfriend at the time of that, um, she she had just ran a 10K that morning and we went back to my place and like took a nap because it was hot, it was humid, you know, woke up a few hours later to my phone having been blown up and, you know, that's what happened. Wow. So I decided to take a year. Or so. I just decided to put it on the back burner for a little bit. Yeah. Take some me time for sure. Well, I mean, obviously that's that's tragic, right? 
what you just said and everything. But I think what's amazing is that you have, uh, especially with your friend Brent and the foundation, like he's left an amazing legacy, right? And uh, you're here to carry that on. And, you know, you have a great outlook on life. You have a great attitude. And with uh, with the Live Like Brent Foundation, I would I would like to know a little more about that, though. So you mentioned like a buddy program. You and Brent were linked up. How does that work? So... Yeah, for years after like my experience, because um, it's a never-ending journey, um, it for like a year or so after my stem cell transplant from Hodgkins, I did a lot of like nutritional diving, um, cleansing, and questioning why, how did this happen? Yeah, and. You know, I've come to some focal point of a connection to how it started. Um, it's not something like I focus on. It's just something that I feel could be a possibility of how it started. Um, and then from there, it was like, I'm still here. What can I do to help others? Um, so I had my stem cell transplant at Jefferson Hospital in Philadelphia. Uh, they had a volunteer program. They still do, I think, to this day, called the Buddy Program. Um, you get matched up with uh, people that are like-minded, similar age, diagnosis, per se, and interests. Um, and then I got linked up with Brent, I think, because I went to see him and his family Christmas Eve of 2012. Um, so I went there Christmas Eve to meet him, and instant connection as friends you know, our second or third time meeting, he mentioned this idea for car for cancer. And I was like, instantly, like, I'm, I got your back. Like I'm with you on this. And the first couple of years, it was kind of grassroots. Um, and then from there, like, I think the third year we established it as a nonprofit about three or four years ago, they took the status into live like Brent foundation and Car for Cancer is still um, the winter headlining winter festival event. Okay, cool. What exactly happens at Car for Cancer? Uh, we got bands. We got a rail jam. We do a bank slalom kind of like race. Um, we got vendors. Um, you know, it's just like a, a winter festival. That's cool. Um, we try to be interactive as much as possible with everyone. Like we do a, a live graffiti mural. Um, yeah, it's it's still, it's still growing. Um, it's more of a regional thing, um, in the kind of the area where Brent grew up in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Cool. Uh, it's, yeah, it's funny, right? You don't necessarily associate Pennsylvania with like a snowboarding scene, but there you have it right there. So <laughs> like, I, I don't think I, I really thought, I guess the Appalachian mountains go right through Pennsylvania though. So that kind of makes yep. sense. That's cool. Um, so yeah, car for cancer. If you're in the area, you got, it still goes on every year, I assume. Uh, first, first Saturday of February at Montage Mountain in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area where Dunder Mifflin is. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds like, uh, an office reference. Did you want to kind of clarify what Carve did and what live like Brent foundation is doing? Yeah. 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 Sure. Go ahead. So Carve, um, we raised funds for, uh, blood cancers and awareness 
The money we raised went to Washington Medical University in Washington State, uh, where the focal point was for a rare non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The doctor that was doing that research was very keen on using his research. If it didn't work in that specific cancer, he tried it in other cancers. So the money that we, we put into that was utilized for other breast cancer stuff and I forget what else, but mainly like the research he did, if it didn't work for the non-Hodgkin's that he was focusing on, it kind of worked towards breast cancer um, a little bit. So, so now Live Like Brent Foundation, uh, the money that is raised goes to, I don't know, 12, 12 different hospitals in the Mid-Atlantic. Um, and now there's one in the Hudson Valley up in Albany. Uh, raise money for blood cancer patients for financial assistance. I think this is a really interesting thing that people can look at, right? And see all you're doing is riding in snow. Like you're just like getting people together to, to get to a mountain and ride snowboards or ski, whatever, right? Like it's something people already do, but you've added this other element where it's like, why don't we just raise money for a good cause? Like why not? Right. Like, and it works. So I think, uh, the hope, right? If if people hear this, they can say like, "Well, why? What? What can I do?" Right? Like, I'm already riding skateboards. Maybe maybe they have events of their own. And like, I guess the question for you would be, how hard is it to tie in sort of like a fundraising effort into an event? Would you say? Um, I don't know. I feel like it comes natural. Like, yeah, you get like jitters the day of an event. You know. Con conceptually thinking of an idea for an event doing the pre-production and I'm no expert or professional um I just do what feels right and what I like and it's a never-ending process of growing and fundraising for events like that it's it's you know you have all these different moving parts and connections you have to like connect like connect the dots and Putting fundraising into that is you have to think creatively of different ideas. And like, I feel like that's where a lot of my energy comes to me, not from me, is ideas. And having, having a village to connect those dots and fill in the areas that you lack and being able to know how to delegate things and ask people that you entrust in their integrity to, to be involved in, in, in the behind the scenes of production. Yeah. It sounds like what you're describing is like, it's a system, right? You are sort of curating the system. Uh, you don't have all the skills, all the tools on your own. It's about, and this is something Noel did really well, right? Uh, yep. finding the right people for the right job. And like, uh, I think that's a tough, a tough thing to do. Right. Yeah. It, you know, it, ta it takes a village like you can only emanate so much light and energy where you need other people to assist and like, you know, be that be that stoke that keeps the fire burning and feed off each other's energy in a positive, um, non-egotistical way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, even with this show, I was like, originally, I was like, I just want to do it for fun. Like I'm having fun. But once... I started seeing people were actually watching and I was like, oh, like 
I need these people. Like they're motivating me to like make the content better. And like, I've gotten great feedback and stuff like that. So like utilizing the community is, is a skill in itself, but it's kind of something you have to do Yeah, um, with stuff like this. And I think you starting the podcast is like at the right time because at least from what I'm seeing, like the distance community scene is really growing. Like I love seeing people adventure and like, I love all disciplines of skateboarding. Uh, do not get me wrong. I shred hard. I'm very conservative with my energy. You know, seeing you do this at the right time, I feel is like great to have a, have another lighthouse in yes. the community. So thank you, Max. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for being on the show yet again. But you know, and that's just it, right? Like I couldn't do it without people coming on the show and being willing to talk about this stuff. You know, you sharing your story. I think, you know, last episode we talked a lot about Kansas city skate scene. Right. And I don't think many people knew that there was a thriving distant skateboard scene in, you know, the middle of the U S right. Kansas city, Missouri. So, uh, br bringing awareness to this kind of stuff is, is also key. Because I, I, I imagine there's people in Philadelphia who don't know you exist. You know what I mean? Or don't know like the, yeah. the communities exist in Philly. Um, so we've been using the word community a lot today. And I don't think we can do that without mentioning community bikes and boards, which was a, is that bikes and boards? That's what it was called? Yep. Um, community bikes and boards. And that ran from 2011 to 2017, you said? Something like that, you told yeah. Me before, yep. so uh, that was what, what kind of shut like was that sort of like a hub for for distance or for just longboarding in general? What what was that like? Just for the community as a whole, man. We we would like we were skating a lot back then. I was living in the city. Some nights I would stay at the shop because um, we'd be out late skating and. I'd have to open the next day. So, and the shop was right off South street on fourth street. And if you know, South street, um, it can get a little crazy. So we always had interesting things going on. I mean, we would Tuesday or Wednesday nights, we would do rides. We would skate a couple miles, maybe, you know, say 10 miles. We we'd wait till like after nine or 10 o'clock. Um, we can't, me and Michelli would skate garages and we learned the hard way by skating them on weekends before 10 o'clock. <laughs> and then we'd like end up in the back end of a car going down the garage yeah. then pulling out. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I've never been injured doing that. Um, Michelli, on the other hand, has had his fair share and some other people. Jeez. But I came up with the, the unofficial rule like, hey, if we're going to do this and be kind of out of control within our control let's kind of be a little mindful of that weekends are a no-go at all whatsoever fridays saturday nights no absolutely not um so like even sunday nights are a little iffy and we would do like monday through thursdays but it was more like monday tuesday wednesdays we would skate the garages after like nine or ten o'clock at night mm -hmm. And some garages, they would kick you out. Like one garage that we skated all the time, we would skate for hours, like to the point where we couldn't even like walk anymore. <laughs> um, it's a sign of a good garage session. Yeah, there's a bunch in Philly, man. It's 
up until a couple of weeks ago, we, we hit another one. We hit one uh, that we used to hit with the uh, Wednesday night Philly longboard crew. Um, I kind of was like, hey, who wants to hit a garage? And everyone was like, me. Some people, some people are like a little like, I don't know. Uh, so I'm trying to, with Social Push Philly, uh, come September, Monday nights will be garage night. Ooh. Um, and Friday nights might be another thing. You so, heard it here first. What's that? I said you heard it here first. Monday nights, As- garage Yeah, nights. like absolutely, totally. Um, but um, what I'm noticing the community is kind of growing in Philly and it's still small. It's not as big as like New York city. Um, tough so, to match. What's that? It's tough to match New York city. I feel like it's, I'm not trying to match them. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're their own beast. Um, and you know, I have respect for it. It's just Philly is totally different. And my concept for the platform is, Similar, but in a different style, as Lake would say, of Social Push NYC. Things that me and him talked about before I initiated it. Um, And he knows kind of where I want to go with that. Um, What I'm noticing is this younger generation that is getting into the scene doesn't really know the history of how certain things started and where it came from. I I could be wrong, but... It also goes into like helmets, safety. I'm I seeing thought you were going to say that. I am seeing a lot <laughs> less people wear helmets. And lately, I am seeing a lot more people get injured. Yeah. All right. So we can talk about this real quick. Uh, Skating in Circles podcast is very supportive of wearing helmets, but we're also very supportive of individuals being individuals. So if you don't want to wear one, that's your call. But I wear one every time I skate. Like, I, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I can just ride down. The, like, if I'm testing a setup, like, oh, I, I changed my bushings. Let me go pump it down the street. I put my helmet on because that, if there's any time I'm going to eat shit, that is the time, right? Like, when you don't think you're going to, it's going to happen, that's when it happens every time. As Joe Lem, as Joe Lem from Santa Fe Skate School would say, you only need your helmet once. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's only good for one hit, too. So <laughs> if you do fall and you crack your helmet, get a new one. It's worth it. Um, yeah, I don't really wear anything else, typically, but I recommend it for people who feel like they need it. There's no shame in wearing wrist guards, right? Um, but your head is something you can't really repair that easily. Sometimes not at all. Permanent damage is a thing, and you might as well prevent that as best you can. That's my take. Sounds like you have the same take. I do notice no one, <laughs> or maybe a couple of people, but pretty much no one in those uh, Instagram videos, no one really has a helmet on. But again, that's that's your prerogative. You can do whatever you want. So two weeks ago, yeah, two, two weeks ago, I watched within the matter of two days on a Thursday night, my buddy fell, dislocated his shoulder right in front of me, almost cracked his head open. And then the next night, I saw somebody else fall in front of me, dislocate their shoulder, and almost mash their head on the ground. Did they have a helmet on? Neither of them did. Neither of them. They have it. Thankfully, my buddy Bobby uh, just went out and bought a helmet um, <laughs> because we're going down, I think, next weekend to the Virginia Capitol Trail to do mm-hmm. an out and back in two days. How long is that one? 
51.7 miles, 56 miles to the hotel. So that's that's both that's out out is 50 miles and then back one way from Richmond, Virginia to uh, Jamestown is 51.7 from Jamestown to uh, Williamsburg is like another few miles to the hotel. So you're going to do a one way overnight and then skate back the next day. Is that the Yep. Wow. That's like a mini Ladiga. Uh, sure. It's like, uh, cause you're going to be over a hundred miles by the end of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just did 67 Tuesday on my bike. Uh, my first day riding my bike back in two months. Wow. And I'm a little, I'm a little tired. I'm just not that sore. You know, I rode from Wilmington, Delaware to Philadelphia. How far is on that? The East, on the East coast greenway. Um, from where I got on the trail, uh, was, uh, like just kind of Northwest of Newcastle. Um, I guess you, that's like Newport, like it's kind of Southish part of Wilmington from there to, uh, the art museum was 30, just under 39 miles, something like that in three and a half hours. And you're on um, a trail. Yeah, uh, some of it's the highway, but what the route I took was part of the East Coast Greenway, which goes from Maine to the Key West of Florida. It does. Um, which it does. I'm in, yeah. So some of that East Coast Greenway is like on road on the highway. There's like very little shoulders in some areas, um, but they're they're trying to establish a better system and you know, make it as safe as possible for people walk, walking and rolling on all, all wheels. Wouldn't it be amazing if they paved the entire thing from Maine to Florida? Because in Maine, our, our section isn't very paved. There's a lot of dirt. Is it crushed gravel and all? Pro probably. Yeah. I haven't been on too much of it. I want to bike it because I just started biking uh, because we don't have a ton of paved trails here, but good um, cross training. Yeah, exactly. Excellent cross training. The cool thing about the bike I find is on a skateboard to go fast, you have to push harder and, and faster, right? You have to kick faster, um, which is, is great. It's fine. And like uphill, you know, more resistance. You're kind of doing the same thing with a bike. The goal is to keep the same cadence is my understanding. So like you're pedaling the same, you know, the pedals are turning at the same rate you just change gears so that you make it easier or harder depending on the terrain. And I love that for cross training because you can really like work as hard as you possibly can on a bike. Whereas on a skateboard, it's harder to reach like your absolute limit with your legs. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, it, it for leading up to Ladiga, like I trained, you know, not extensively, but really like made sure I could do Ladiga. Um, now getting back into biking again with having a bad knee and wanting to be able to still skate and do long distances on it. Cycling on a hybrid gravel bike for me, like I'll still take it on the street. I'll take it on the road. I'll take I'll, I'll take it on the crushed gravel. Like I'd rather have something I can get in the woods and get out of and in a any situation that is thrown my way or I want to do. Um, I feel skating long distances on boards is a lot easier because a bike seat can be irritating if you don't have padded shorts. Um, 
you know, I've never done a century on a bike yet. Um, but soon, very soon, like it might even actually be this Sunday. Ooh. Um, I don't know. Um, Fun. but I've skated like 120 miles over the course of 14 hours one day. Um, That's a good years speed. ago, like yeah. training for Ladiga. Um, yeah, I use the Schuylkill River Trail as most of my training for Ladiga. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I'm. It's it's a good way to train, right? Is like loops on a trail that you know is like safe. I'm actually doing that tomorrow. I'm gonna go. Uh, we don't have a ton of trails, but we have a couple that are like ten miles long, and I'm just gonna spin around on that for about five hours. And, uh, You're gonna do your uh, IDSA marathon. Yeah, I need to get that done, and I need to find a good place for the 100K, which is coming up. You, you should come to Philly and do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if it... Let's see. Well, okay, so segue into the next topic. Uh, you have an event coming up in the fall. September 23rd? 24th. 24th. Uh, Sunday. Because you guys can make it the 24th. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, Earl's throwing this event and he reached out to my brother and I, and we happen to be going to a wedding on the Saturday in New Jersey. So we'll both be, you know, Will, my brother lives in Colorado now. So he's just happens to be in the area. And Earl's like, you come to my event. And we're like, if you make it on Sunday and lo and behold, the events on Sunday. So we'll be there. Um, about 30, 33 miles, right? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and I'm getting a little nervous right now with it. Yeah, well, it is what it is, you know. It's yeah. event planning, you should be. It's a good sign. Well, just I need volunteers for check at least two checkpoints. Okay, I might have one volunteer for you. I have to I can't I can't confirm, but I might have one. Yeah, we'll talk more. I'm yeah. still I'm just trying to dial in the uh sponsors, the logos and the graphics for the event flyer. It's a lot of work, man. Like we already kind of talked about. It's Yeah. It takes effort, takes time and you're the right man for the job. So Thank you for putting on events. It it takes individuals, everyone listening, it takes individuals who do this on their own to have more skate events. And this is something I didn't really realize years ago when I was going to a lot of skate events that like, and I, I knew, right? It's a lot of volunteer, but I, I don't think I really processed it. And um, I'm actually trying to throw an event too. And I think I will learn a lot in that process. I helped with Ladiga and that alone was like a lot of logistics to sort through. And I was just helping, you know? So yeah. Um, kudos to you for putting on this event. It's called the true kill, which is a yes. homage to the shoe kill, I believe. And uh, the true part is just truly utilizing the trail system in the greater Philadelphia area, which is the mostly the Schuylkill river trail. Um, there's the Perk Yeoman Trail, the Autobahn Loop Trail. Um, the race is going to start on the Chester Valley Trail, um, which goes into the Schuylkill. Um, that all encompasses parts of Rails to Trails, which is a national organization um, that I'm in contact with someone in the Mid-Atlantic area, as, as well as the East Coast Greenway. Um, and the greater Philadelphia area, the tri-state area of Eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Northern Delaware has this other organization called the Circuit Trails, which is another organization um, that has to work with three different state governments, essentially, 
Um, but Pennsylvania has a lot of construction going on. Jersey is right behind there. I'm not too familiar with Delaware yet, but I'm, I'm doing some scouting and just checking things out to see what's going on. Um, the projection for the circuit trails is by 2025, they're supposed to have like the SRT, the Schuylkill River Trail, paved from Pottsville or Pot Pottstown. I forget which is the further one out um, to Philly. And it's going to be like 98.5 miles one way. But I have to do more recon because I literally just talked to other people last Sunday. I was up north of Phoenixville on the SRT with a couple people. Um they have paved a section that wasn't paved like six years ago. Um, so depending on the construction and projection of them finishing all this and getting to check it out for myself first, um, I would really love to do a staged race from Philly to Pottstown, Pottsville, uh, to Philly and back. Um, whether it's two or three days, um, that is something that has to just start thinking about at least and lightly putting little things together. The only thing that I'm hesitant on is volunteers, logistics, and the construction of everything. Because right now, a lot of the trail up there is all crushed gravel. Right. So, so you're waiting for well, the pave. We shall see. Well, I mean, that's progress, right? Because like you said, seven years ago, that, that section you mentioned wasn't paved. So uh, moves are being made, to say the least. Uh, and it's, it's really cool that the state or whoever's, you know, orchestrates all this is very supportive of paving the trails. And I think it's uncommon in the U.S., right, to see like such, such strong support for uh, non-automobile transportation right it's really common el elsewhere but um that kind of trail 98 miles from philly to pots Dan pottsville <laughs> i don't know either i imagine people could use that for commuting to work or just you know like anyone in those towns can then just say i'm oh, gonna you know, go bike into the city for the day right or something like that and just encouraging sort of like outdoors activity and just all that i think is great so Really cool that you're taking advantage of it and putting on this event. It is the the Schuylkill River Trail and the Perky Omen and the Autobahn Loop area, like up like near north of Valley Forge a little bit, is one of my favorite places to skate, like trail systems. And um, so that's part of this whole trail system. It kind of like runs north almost. Yep. Chester Valley, Autobahn Loop, Schuylkill River Trail, Perky Omen. Uh, are all part of the circuit trails. Um, near me, I have a bunch of trails coming up. Um, New Jersey is a little behind the production of construction with behind Pennsylvania of the trails. Classic New Jersey. But uh, yeah, we will not get into that. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm from I'm from Jersey. I'm allowed to. I know North Jersey. It's like uh, oh, you're making the distinction now. Okay. North Jersey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I I know about North. North and South. Do you know about Central? You know about the. Uh, I I am in Central Jersey? essentially, but not according to PSE and G. <laughs> um, this is part of. Uh, 
I forget what, because I'm the guy I skate with is like works for PSENG, and it, this is his corridor. I think it's, I think north, just north, like South Hunterdon is still considered South Jersey. I forget what the, I forget how they demographically separate it, mm-hmm. but there is a Central Jersey because Pork Roll yeah. is the epicenter founding area of pork roll is Trenton. Um, Mercer <laughs> County, Monmouth is, is central Jersey. Yeah. Um, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. They, they Ooh. called it Taylor ham where I grew up. That's a company that makes yeah. pork roll. Yeah. I, I'm aware of pork. the, uh, Kleenex Q-tip situation going on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's cool. You're doing an event. 33 miles, Philadelphia. If you're in the area in the fall, you got to come. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's a lot of self-supported stuff, though. Make sure you can ride the distance. Make sure you're ready. If you want to support, uh, reach out to Earl. You can find the link to the event on socialpush.philly um, Instagram. And the Philadelphia longboarding page also has that event up as well. Very cool. So uh, we're getting close to our time here. I want to ask you before we sort of sign off, is there anything you want to talk about here that we didn't cover? It doesn't have to be related to our topics. It can be anything that you want to get out there to the, uh, to the web, to the people. I can't really um, think of anything off the top of my head. Um, One is that, you know, I've never done ultra skate. Depending on when that is, um, I'm really focusing on doing that this year. Um, I I would love to just because I've always had a realistic goal with being not the smartest nor the fastest, but the most strategic with my energy and how I can serve and I breathe and I just like just know what I can do, Mm -hmm. how I can do it and when I can do it. I with going into Ladiga in 2012, you know, not even using like the proper equipment, you know, like I could have done a lot faster times, not like huge increments, but enough. Mm-hmm. Um, my pace is still for being 42 years old and having radiation to my lungs and heart and extensive treatments like uh, my average pace. I'm not back to where I was because I was like laid up for the past two months. And I literally just started skating again, like the middle beginning of middle of July again. Oh yeah. You were telling me about. Yeah. Dude. Muscle muscle memory, man. Like (laughs) I try to focus on clean, minimal ingredients. Um, I don't eat a lot of heavy fatty meats, uh, not even a lot of red meat anymore. Um, just being aware of what I'm putting in and how it's going out and just knowing your baseline to sustain yourself in these long distance, you know, skates, adventures, races, whatever it may be. Like, I feel that, you know, if you can rely on yourself self-sustaining without stopping at a store to get something and knowing like gauging your minimum and knowing how you can exceed that, with a little bit more to do more and faster. Um, I'm a huge advocate for 
all of that to know what you need to do to sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You said you were 42 years old. I, I wouldn't have guessed that for sure. You're glowing right now. The people can't see, but I can. Uh, yeah, you look you look great, man. So awesome to hear that you're, you know, being proactive. Sounds like eating right, uh, staying in shape, you know, despite some of the uh, adversities you've been facing, right? You, you told me about some surgery you had earlier this year. So awesome to see, man. Like that's inspiring that you can just get right back in there and sort of, this is like almost a great answer to the earlier question of what motivates you. It seems like you're just living your life. And that falls, that falls into the kick for cancer is now push to survive. And like, do you push to survive, but do you thrive to live from that? You know, like my, the things I'm dealing with are long-term side effects right now of my treatments. And I'm just trying to get ahead of the curve um, to be my own advocate and be an advocate for the longboard skateboard distance community, which is what I'm doing to try to um, I'm in communication with people from East coast greenway rails to trails. I'm working on the connection to contact for circuit trails again um, to get more awareness of that that longboards are out on the paved trails and just, you know, do what feels right. You know? Yeah. Awareness is key, man. All you need is like, you know, a bunch of like young, the younger crowd to see you. And that's all it really takes. You know, like newer generations, I feel like are huge because they encourage, like, if you think about it, right. Someone's kid wants to ride a skateboard. Then the parent has to kind of learn how to ride the skateboard. So then you've, you've like crossed generations at that point and really spread the word. So I love it, man. Being out there with a helmet really helps too. I'm not going to, not trying to bash anyone who doesn't wear it, but if you wear it, like parents love that shit. They see, they're like, Oh, now I can tell my kid that's okay to do. And they'll want to wear the helmet because they saw the adult wearing the helmet. Right. Yeah. Like whatever it's, it's okay if you don't, but (laughs) I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or in front of it, especially if they're not wearing a helmet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've been hit by a car before. Like they hurt. It's not it, fun. It's it's no joke, man. It's like a two t- or whatever. It's a huge, heavy vehicle, heavy thing. It's G forces hitting you, which is what it is. There you go. Yeah. Um. So you kind of answer this next question that I want to ask, but where Sorry. Will, where will we see you? No, it's cool. Where will we see you next? Is it Ultra Skate or I guess I guess it's your event, right? That's the. Next I will thing. see you in September. Yeah, you'll see me in September. <laughs> um. That's the next big thing for you. And uh, well, Max, it's funny you asked that question because I, I really with uh, I've been wanting to do the Virginia Capitol Trail since like uh, 2018 when I came across it in Virginia on my way back from Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my girlfriend at the time stopped for food. Amazing tacos. I don't even remember the place. Went to this park, <laughs> nice. went to this park. She's like, hey, look at this trail. She's like, you should have brought your skateboards. Like, because she skated a little too. And I was like, this place is awesome. Like, and now they've done, I think they were putting in more sections. I'm not too sure. Um, But then seeing um, the push relay skate, like Andy, Paul and Miles and Rick and Jack and all them. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I've been wanting to go down there to do the trail. Um, And I was recently talking to the Virginia Capitol Trail Instagram uh, person who runs it. And you might see something on their Instagram in a few weeks. 
Um, supposedly, no long border has done it out and back within a day or two. Oh, shit. So that's more motivation for me. Not yeah. to like be yeah, that person, it. but it's like, hey, I've been wanting to do it. I'm planning to do it. I try to communicate and try to get contacts and like communicate with people to see where it can go to be like more advocacy for the boards on paved trail systems. That's so cool. You know, to spread the awareness. So maybe on Virginia Capitol Trail in a few weeks uh, <laughs> on their Instagram. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, man. So so that's awesome. How, how long is that trail? Uh, 51.7 miles from Richmond to Jamestown. Right. And because uh, you, you had said that earlier and you're going to do it out and back in two days. Yeah, I'm taking three days off. Um, depending on my other friend who's going to go, I'm, I'll do it by myself. I know I'm, I'll go at a nine mile an hour pace pretty much the whole time. My average, you know, yeah, yeah it's um, a solid pace. I, I, my the thing is, don't go under the eight and a half average. Mm -hmm. That's the Ladiga. Like the Ladiga yeah. rule. I use that. I've used that for so long. Like my average pace is not where it is on the bike and the board just because of recovering from a surgery and just getting back into it. But yeah, my average pace like casually is like nine and a half to 10.2 on a board. And uh, when I'm in prime shape, whatever that is, um, the bike is like more like, I guess, 11, 11 and a half. I, I try to keep, I try to, I'm more of the distance, uh, and I am not a sprinter. I, I'm a small diesel engine. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> go, go the distance. I was going to ask you that earlier because you, you kept saying like, oh yeah, I did this 60 mile ride. I did this on, on my bike. And like, so it sounds like you really like the long, longer rides. Like, yeah. It's meditation, man. For you. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it really is med meditative. And I, I think that's so funny because what distance does for distance skateboarding does for a lot of people is it gives them this like, I'll speak for myself, gives you like something that's cool, right? Skateboarding, but it's also meditative and like takes a lot of time. There's endurance to it, right? You're like getting in shape and it just checks a lot of boxes, right? Like for me, I don't, I, I can't really just sit down and meditate because I'm, uh, I, I should, I should, right? I have that issue of like not being able to sit still. So like having the board to make it so I'm not sitting still, but I can still zone out helps me a lot. Um, that being said, I'm sure meditation, uh, actual meditation is very helpful. All right, one last question. And that is, is there any, and I know you have an answer to this, <laughs> any social media you'd like to plug at the end of this episode for people um, to follow you on. Uh, socialpush.philly Instagram, push to survive, uh, organic underscore hogwash, um, live like Brent foundation, or just live like Brent on Instagram. Um, and I forget, I forget what my personal handle is. Um, Wanderdust.starlust is my personal. Um, my old personal Instagram that had like quite a bit of work into it organically uh, got hacked last February oh. and I tried to recover it. And like I have, there were pictures on there of me like skate packing through San Francisco and LA in like 2012 and 14. And just like all these rad photos of like my travels as like, you know, 
things I had done, you know, and I lost it. And Broad Street, Broad Street, Broad Street Bomb, I forget how Dave has the the Instagram because I no longer am the main organizer of the Broad Street Bomb. So um, I still help out a little bit. But Broad Street Bomb as well. I think this is a sign that we need to do a second episode because we didn't even talk about the Broad Street Bomb. Dude, or, we got through a lot of that. Yeah, we got through a lot of, of what we wanted to talk about, but I think... Yeah. Uh, there's still more. So there is. You coming back? Um, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I, dude, you, you and your brother have been like, you know, we don't know each other all that well, but knowing your brother back then, like, it was always this calm, cool, collected vibe of like, we're skating, we're friends. It's just a natural friendship per se. Yeah, that's all that matters, man. So when you do your event, who's gonna do your flyer graphics, Casper? <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yep, Casper. Yep. Oh, he's him. busy. <laughs> he's uh, he lives like thirty minutes from me, so I'll go knock on his door. Yeah, <laughs> I figured I'd just like kind of like throw that out there. Yeah. No, it's a great idea. That's he he does such cool stuff. Who knows, Max? Maybe I'll be up there in five, ten years. You gotta, yeah. I mean, even if you're here just passing through, you gotta let me know. You know. Oh yeah, I will. You will be the first person next to Casper. Uh, that knows that I'm coming up there along also besides my family up there. Sick. Yeah. And that goes for anyone listening. You know, if you're ever in Maine, it's a, uh, it's, it's a big state, but it's not, there's not a lot going on. So let me know if you're in the area. Portland's a cool town. Uh, you're in Saco, Saco, right? Uh, Kenny Bunk. So Kenny a little Bunk. south of Saco, but yeah, I'm right, right as you okay. cross the border. I'm only like 20 miles in. All right, Earl, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. You know, like I said, people coming on the show and expressing themselves, telling their story is, is how this whole thing gets going. How It's how I, I'm able to do it. So really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And uh, you really put a lot of prep and effort into this. So thank you so much. Likewise. And thank you, man. It, it Like I said before, it takes a village. And I feel that there are partnerships and friendships that are going to be established soon um, to help the distance community, not just for the community and events and the industry, but as trying to bring new people into it that want to be in it, just don't know how or where and connecting the dots of paved trails. That's all it takes is just, just community working together. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Peace. Peace.